Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency. Today, we are going to be chatting about Web 3.0. Now, we're going to take you on a bit of a journey back to the start of the internet, Web 1.0, what that looked like, how we all interacted with it. Then we'll take you through to Web 2.0 and how we all use that today. Now, Web 3.0 is going to change the world. It's something that is already being utilized so much in the cryptocurrency world. And some of you might not be aware that you're currently using it right now today. So we'll dive into that and let you know all the things you need to know to understand Web 3.0 in its entirety. So whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. Welcome to the podcast, Imran Mahmood. It is great to have you here with us today. Thanks, Alicia. Appreciate it. Cheers for having me. Now, we are going to be chatting about Web 3.0 today, which is a topic that a few people have asked us about and we've not really dived into on the podcast. Now, you personally work at SwiftX. So what do you do there before we dive in? Yeah, cool. So at the moment, I'm in the community and social tech. Essentially, what that entails is looking after the socials, setting up events, um, sponsorships, whatever we can do to sort of engage with the crypto community. Good. And oh my gosh, you guys must be so busy at the moment with all the sponsorships and cool things that are happening right now. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Like seeing all the hard work that's going on behind the scenes and actually seeing the sentiment online. It's absolutely amazing. Especially when the market is doing what the market's doing right now. You know, it's not as fun when you're all looking at your portfolio, but if we can keep the community fun, then that kind of keeps everyone's spirits a little bit higher. And it is a bit of a struggle. It's something we actually do talk about on a weekly basis. Um, things that we can do to sort of engage the community and, and build that sentiment. We do a weekly win with SwiftX competition where you can actually win prizes. We also do competitions with our sponsors now. So with the NRL, we've got a few juicy things lined up coming up really soon. Watch this space, guys. How good. Now, Imran, the question we ask everyone to the podcast is what was your very first crypto purchase? Yeah, awesome. I have to actually go back through my transaction history. It was Ethereum uh, back in 2017. It was only about $50 worth. No way. And did you hang on to it? Uh, I actually lost my password. <laughs> my paraphrase. Yeah, totally oh, lost it. Disaster. And was that like the only thing that you had in there or were you like building a portfolio at that time? Nope. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I just heard about it. Um, obviously, it was the news and I read about it. Um, I went ahead and purchased it and unfortunately just lost the paraphrase. Oh, disaster. So big lesson for everyone. If you are holding things and moving them to wallets, digital or cold storage wallets, jump back to our episode. I'll pop it in the show notes all about wallet security and how to secure those phrases so you don't lose it. It's the worst. Don't do it. My goodness. Okay. So Web 3.0. Now, it's something that got a fair amount of traction towards the end of last year. It was spoken about a lot online. And it's a concept that personally, for me, took a little while to figure out. You know, <laughs> I was reading and researching for this episode. And to actually get my head around, it, I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many different ways to explain this. How would you best describe what it is at a high level? Yeah, cool. So essentially, Web 3.0 is considered the next phase of the internet. Um, it's a decentralized internet, which allows users to take full ownership of their data and their content. And so how does that differ to the internet that we know today? So to talk about Web 3.0, we can kind of go back a little bit and do a bit of a deep dive really quickly about 
Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3. So with Web 1, essentially, it was a read-only version of the internet where you couldn't interact with anything. It was essentially, it was just a bunch of static pages which you could only read. You couldn't log in or you couldn't interact with posts. And then now with Web 2.0, essentially, it kind of started in about 2004 to today. Essentially, what it meant is not only were you reading information, but you're actually giving back information as well. This meant platforms like YouTube and Twitter kind of came to it in existence. Now, there was a negative side to Web 2.0, which we didn't really realize till later on. Essentially, what it meant was we were receiving data, but we we're also giving data. Now, this was actually a really bad thing. It meant that we were giving things that we liked, our preferences, our behaviors. This essentially meant corporations like Google or Facebook or Meta, as they're called now, um, packaged our information and essentially sold it away for a profit to advertisers. This meant our informational data that contained all this content helped advertisers essentially target us better with products and services. Now, Facebook and Google have always been free to use only because they were farming our data. So in essence, what we were doing when Web 2.0 was kind of in its infancy was without realizing it, we kind of gave away our right to our privacy. It is so interesting and something that got so much traction. You know, there were so many articles about this privacy and, you know, all of the things that people were doing with our data. And I know it's come a long way. But going back to Web 1.0, like I cannot remember the name of it, but I do remember there was like some website and God, I don't even want to admit how young or old I was at this stage, but I remember teaching myself HTML and I was like coding this really cool page and adding sparkly effects and all this stuff. But it was literally just a blog kind of thing where I posted something, but no one was able to post anything back. Like it was before Tumblr. It was, as you said, just a static web page full of whatever I put on there, probably like pictures of cats or something stupid. Is that kind of what Web 1.0 is? Like people just putting information and no way to interact with it. Yeah, essentially. It was basic. It was read-only. It was nice and simple. And the main reason why that was is we didn't have the internet speeds or the processing power of computers that we have today. Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. And then we decided we'd reiterate on this a little bit more, allow people to interact with it and the full suite of functionality that we have now. And then Web 3.0, how does that differ? So obviously, we're like, we're just read-only. Then we're read and write, I guess, if you want to draw a parallel. What's Web 3.0 then? Yeah, Web 3.0 kind of came from the downfalls of Web 2.0. Web 3 ties in really well with the nature of blockchain. So blockchain overall kind of solved a few issues, things like transparency, immutability, which is like digital ownership of your assets or your NFTs or your crypto. But a really big one as well is decentralization. As we all know, blockchain doesn't store any information in one central location. Instead, it's stored on a network of computers. So whenever a new block is created, it's essentially added to the blockchain. Every computer on the network updates its blockchain to reflect the change, um, thus the decentralized nature of it. So essentially, Web 2.0 came out to fulfill the pretty important gaps that needed filling in this Web 2.0 ecosystem. And so does that mean that we own the data now? Uh, yes, it does mean that essentially the content that you have is in your ownership. Okay, so let's go down a example like Facebook. How would this change in Web 3.0? Yeah. So at the moment, our information is stored on Facebook service, which Facebook is in control of. In this new era of Web 3.0, the information would be stored locally to you and only accessible to you. No one else has access to that information. I guess like, and a pain point that I saw come up a whole heap when I was reading about this is, you know, Facebook, Twitter, 
all of these platforms, they have the right to obviously own our information, but also to delete it or curate it or, you know, censor our information. So if I own this and it's something that I store locally, like, would that mean that I'd create my own version of Facebook or there would be like a new version where my comment couldn't be deleted? Essentially, yes. As it's in your control, it is yours entirely. So you can choose to do what you will. There wouldn't be an external influence or external parties such as Meta or Google to influence whatever you have uploaded. So I don't want to go too much into detail with it in this episode, but the architecture and the infrastructure of Web 3.0 is something that I found personally pretty interesting, probably more so because it's something that so many of us, if you're in the crypto world and you're actually like doing things, you're using dApps, perhaps you're using a smart contract, buying NFTs, you're actually using so many elements of Web 3.0 already. So to give our listeners some context, can you talk about like what those layers of architecture look like and who is already utilizing it? So there are five layers to it, similar to how the internet runs. You've got the application layer, the services and optional components, the protocol layer, the network layer, and the infrastructure layer. So the infrastructure layer is a really interesting one. Essentially, our mining, our visualization, our nodes, our tokens, our storage, all live within the infrastructure layer. And if you've used sidechains before, that would live in the protocol layer. You've also got dApps as well, which would live in the application layer. It's a really interesting concept, and you could definitely talk about it all day. It's so interesting. Like there's so many things that people today are already using. Like, you know, we think about Web 3.0 being this thing that like, oh yeah, maybe sometime in the future, people will have this thing where they own their information. And we always think about it in terms of the actual translation, I guess, of the internet that we have today. But if you're in the crypto world, you're already using this stuff. Like you just mentioned dApps. So many people already use decentralized apps. So many people already buy and sell NFTs. None yeah. of that stuff is currently housed on Web 2.0 because it's not a space that's supportive of that. Hmm. What other examples are there? Yeah, Wolf Farm Elf is actually another really good one. It's a computational knowledge engine. So what this means in everyday talk is essentially it answers your questions through computation, um, opposed to giving you a list of web pages like search engines that we use every day. It's a very unique type of search engine where it actually computes these answers and provides knowledge. So it works by storing expert-level knowledge and algorithms to answer your questions or do analysis in a very direct way that really depicts the future of AI computing in the Web3 era. And so a good example, I guess, that our listeners could really relate to today would be something like a wallet. A wallet, I guess, is something that, again, would have to live in that Web3.0 ecosystem because you have to own the information that's on there. And it's different to something like PayPal, where PayPal could take away that wallet at any time in that you actually physically own that wallet. It's verified by everybody else on the blockchain that you own that. And to change anything of it, it relies on that blockchain technology as well. Yeah, that's correct. And from a public-facing perspective, there is no ownership of that particular wallet. You prove that you've got ownership of that wallet through your 24 key phrase. Super interesting. Okay, so... It does feel probably for most everyday users a little bit foreign. Do you think that we'll see everyday companies start to transition towards Web 3.0 for their own personal use as well? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, the thing with Web 2.0 is the data is controlled by Google and Meta, as we've just previously spoken about. With Web 3, the data is actually stored on decentralized databases. Now, 
it's pretty tough to imagine these large corporations giving up ownership or control of that data anytime soon. Storing people's data is essentially how they make their money. However, companies like Facebook or Meta are starting to adopt that Web 3.0 mindset. As Web 3 builds momentum, the companies that are currently relying on users' data to operate will eventually cease to exist. We'll definitely have to look into adopting ways to conduct their business in an era where everything from banking to data capture in all shapes and forms will eventually be done in a transparent environment. Personally, I kind of feel that small businesses will be the ones to gain the most in this whole Web 3.0 scenario, um, especially because the monopoly of tech giants will essentially end. I think established brands will definitely have to undergo a major overhaul to survive the change. And how they do this is kind of yet to be seen, to be honest. Those businesses will definitely have to look back at their processes and see where they fit in that decentralized, transparent future. But even then, Web 3.0 will still take a considerable amount of time to establish. But the reality is businesses will definitely need to start preparing today. And so what sort of things could they do to prepare now? So essentially, the mindset would have to be thinking about transparency and decentralization as a whole. These sort of companies would have to have the mindset of what Web 3.0 looks like and what it's trying to drive and build their businesses around that. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like I, I know even just on Seek and LinkedIn at the moment, every second job that pops up in the crypto world is probably around blockchain development and really understanding have people in that infrastructure space that know the benefit of this and how it's going to help. You know, not everyone is trying to make a token. Not everyone is trying to create a currency. A lot of people are just trying to really leverage this technology that allows them to create this new world of decentralized information storage for some of them. Something that is spoken about a lot when you do research in this space is that it might not be able to scale or if it does, it's going to be really costly. What sort of processes can come into place to kind of mitigate that? Logistically, it's going to be extremely difficult to build Web 3.0 to this point where Web 2.0 current infrastructure is currently at. Companies like Google and Microsoft and Amazon, they've spent ridiculous amounts of dollars. And I'm probably talking about billions of dollars at this point, building giant data storage facilities that fits within that Web 2.0 framework, this will definitely be something very difficult to compete against. And so will it look like we'd maybe not crowdsource, but like share those data warehouses amongst the people that need them in future? Yeah, definitely. There'll definitely be a market for for off-chain storage and allow everyday people to essentially contribute towards the overall success of Web 3.0. Yeah, because I just think it's something that, you know, our own personal computers are only so big. So <laughs> there's only so much information we can store here. And we're seeing it even we we touched on last week with the Lightning Network and the thought that all of those require nodes or it did at one stage. Now those nodes are being built into wallets that people hold and they hold those wallets on their phone. So the scalability, it's interesting that in some ways we always go to that default of sharing the scale. But it also could look like those technological advancements where the requirement is so little that it could actually be something you can store on your PC or your phone. We just don't know yet because it is still such early stages of this. I totally agree. There's like no agreed upon definition of Web3 just yet. So storage giants don't seem to be too worried about what the future of enterprise storage solutions looks like that'll fit in that Web3.0 framework. But who knows, the future is always open to interpretation. And is there any companies that are doing it really well at the moment? Like anyone who's already started in this Web 3.0 space and is just leading the charge? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of Web 3.0 businesses and projects that are popping up that are definitely leading it. Um, Things like OpenSea, which is quite a popular marketplace for buying and selling NFTs, which is built on the Ethereum blockchain itself, which is really awesome. 
Um, Diaspora is also really cool. It's a non-for-profit, user-owned, distributed social network. It essentially just consists of independently owned nodes, which they call pods, which can interoperate to form a network itself. It's not owned by one person or one entity. Now, those are some pretty boring ones that I've just mentioned. Um, there's some pretty fun initiatives as well that are operating today. Play to earn games like Axie Infinity, which allows players to earn crypto for competing in games, which I'll plug Morgan Roberts' tap in the crypto episode for an understanding of the intricacies of how this all works. Very cool. And how is it going to help? Like you touched on OpenSea, which we all know if you're in the NFT world, you will know OpenSea. How does things like that in the space or any other platforms in Web 3.0 help NFTs and the metaverse and cryptocurrency in general? Yeah, that's a really juicy question, Alicia. Um, Web 3.0 will form the platforms for NFTs or the metaverse and crypto to essentially come together. Cryptocurrencies already offer a ready-made platform for doing this. You don't need banks or brokerages in the traditional sense to let people essentially invest or transact cryptocurrencies that they own. Another element of the Web3 vision NFTs um, does make it possible to own unique items to exist in the digital world. This is because unlike most of the digital data that makes up the internet or social media or virtual reality, NFTs just can't be replicated by the old copy-paste method due to it being represented on the blockchain. Mm, yes, which people always argue about. You always see that in Reddit threads or somewhere on Facebook's probably more likely to see it. And people going, well, what's the point of NFTs? You can just copy and paste it. Well, actually, no, you can't, especially if it's got something tangible associated to it through a smart contract. You know, we've touched on that so many times on the pod and none of that would exist without Web 3.0. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is exactly why big companies like Nike are creating NFT-backed sneakers, which only exist in the digital world. In the real world, people do spend hundreds of dollars on expensive sneakers for investment purposes. So essentially, why wouldn't digital NFTs behave any differently in the virtual world? Yep. You can just ask my brother who has a whole wall of sneakers. It's wild seeing what Nike are doing and that sneaker hype craze. Like We see that in the real world so much. And I feel like probably will translate to the metaverse. You know, if you're rocking up to your job interview or heading over to your new meeting in the office, perhaps you want some cool kicks to do it with as well. But we all know the metaverse is so much more than just online meetings. (laughs) So much more potential for that. What do you think the future of Web 3.0 looks like then? Oh, good question. It'll be a very open, connected, intelligent version of the internet. It'll have semantic web technologies. It'll have distributed databases. It'll have natural language processing, machine learning, machine reasoning. You can say goodbye to those annoying pop-up ads that pop up every time you visit a website. Instead, you can choose to see what ads you see in your browser and essentially be compensated for your time with crypto. Yeah, I do love that thought. And I love that, I guess, concept that's being explored at the moment in actually being paid for your time on the internet instead of companies using our time on the internet to get paid themselves. It's a really, really interesting paradigm. Like I guess at the moment, there is that concept that you touched on at the start, which is that downfall of Web 2.0 in that we'll jump on Facebook or you'll jump on somewhere and you'll click on certain things or go shopping. And you know, there's been a lot of laws and regulations that have changed in this space recently. So it's not as easy to collect and farm and sell your data. But this concept that I've heard being spun around and kind of thrown on its head is that in the future, it's going to be us being paid for our time, which is just so interesting to think about. But I definitely think it could be something that happens in the future. Yeah, totally agree. It's going to be absolutely awesome. 
Well, it has been epic having you on today. Thank you so much for breaking this down for us and helping it to be a little bit more easy to explain. But I guess the biggest takeaway from today, guys, is that so many of you are already using this. If you're in the crypto space, it feels like this big foreign thing that's such a big change from where we are today. And we're like, you know, throwing away all the big companies that we know and love. But it's really just the infrastructure that we need to support the crypto world. And if you have a wallet, you have an NFT, if you're on exchange, chances are you're already in this space anyway. So thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 